I'm Tim Kittrow, and you're tuned in to the Important Nonsense Podcast with Steve Bonham. Attention, Alan Hearn's mom. His knee is better. <laughs> you can stop worrying. Neil Smith. Even with the concussion, as long as he's cleared, probably don't have a better option. Jack Kavanaugh. Raheem Mostair, as I would like to call him. And Jason Draven. Nah, man. Just let's watch some football. Boom shakalaka. Welcome into the Important Nonsense Podcast. I'm your host, Jack Kavanaugh, and it's another wonderful day in the world of fantasy football. Training camp is heating up, the coach speak is flying, and we're getting ready for redraft. And that means we've got to bring in our main man for redraft. You can find him over at that FF nerd. We've got Jason Draven on the board. Jason, how's it going today? Dude, I am doing great. I just had a wonderful day. I'm ready to get into this, and I'm so pumped to talk about all the redraft stuff that's going on and the news. Uh, lovely, lovely to hear, Jason. We, it's been a while since we've had you on the show because really there hasn't been a lot to talk about in terms of redraft. It's all been without training camp, without all these Twitter highlights. There hasn't been a lot to talk about until recently. So we did get a lot of news today. We are starting off with the contract extensions for both George Kittle and Travis Kelsey. So tight end one, tight end two, locked in for years to come. Healthy paycheck for both of them. Congrats. Awesome to hear. We also saw Bill's left tackle, Deion Dawkins, extended, so he's going to have be Josh Allen's blindside protector for years to come until Josh Allen is benched, of course. So does any of this move the needle for you, Jason? No, not at all. I mean, all these players are good and set. I'm surprised that they were able to pay Kelsey so much with that big contract they gave Mahomes. So just one of those things you got to kind of keep in mind. I'm worried about their cap space moving forward. Yeah, it's nice to know, but it really doesn't move the needle because we are, like we said, they're already tight end one, tight end two. Like we can't move them up, and we're not obviously not going to move them down for a contract extension. So it is what it is. It's not that exciting, but it is nice to hear. You always get happy when you hear these uh, very talented players getting paid. So exciting to hear. But our biggest news comes from the New England Patriots. They just signed Lamar Miller. And so an ACL tear cost him 2019. But before that, he had 200 plus carries in four of the fi- his last five seasons. Only one he didn't. He had 194, and he's really comparable to, in, to Sony Michelle in size. Uh, he's 5'11, 214. Damian Harris is 5'10, 216. Miller is 5'11, 218. So they're all really the same size, but Miller ran a 4'4. Michelle went 4'5'4. Harris went 4'5'7. So Miller is much more athletic, much more explosive when healthy. But that's the big question is he healthy? Just turned 29 in April, took a year off from getting beat up. So where does he fall for you, Jason? Are you in on Lamar Miller? Are you in on any of the Patriots backs? Yeah, not even kind of. (laughs) I mean, I hate it just because it's such a messy backfield. But if somebody is going to emerge, I do think it will be Miller just because he is that veteran guy. I can see him being the goal line work. If he can figure out the system, which he should be able to build us a great job getting guys in there that are able to fit whatever scheme he wants. But, you know, I still think the guy you want is James White. I mean, he just has all the talent in the world. No question about that. And it's PPR. I mean, you're getting him so late. Granted, I think Lamar right now is still free, but I wouldn't be surprised if he starts to go up. And, I mean, if he does have issues, Sony could come back in and just take the spot back. And I just, I'm not sure how I feel. Uh, I guess at that same point. I, t- I totally feel you. Sony Michelle, this really, for me, this just tells me that the Patriots are almost done with Sony Michelle. He's probably starting the year on PUP. It doesn't sound like they're excited about him. So really, James White's the guy you want. Damian Harris, Lamar Miller, and Rex Burkhead, they're going to be fighting it out for that RB1 kind of grinder role. But really, it doesn't matter. I think they're all going to cannibalize each other, and it really is James White, to your point. Anything else yeah. to add about the Patriots, Jason? No, but I wanted to get your kind of point of view with the loss of Darius guys, who do you really like in there? I mean, do your rankings change a whole lot? And do you think Riverboat Ron keeps that same system and deploys a pass catcher and a in between the tackles guy? I really do. I really don't see it being a pure workhouse horse running back in Washington right now. So I'm a big Antonio Gibson fan. One of my favorite prospects coming into the draft, really fun, six foot, 228 pound running back runs a four, three, nine. How do you not love that guy? Average 11.2 yards per carry. Four scores, uh, but he still only had 33 carries at Memphis. So he was primarily a slot receiver, really freaking good one. Averaged 19.3 yards per reception. That's he almost averaged 20 yards per reception out of the slot, but he's not really a receiver either. He's part running back, part receiver, really weird player, absolute baller. 
But even in Christian McCaffrey's rookie year, he only rushed for 446 yards. He did have 86 receptions. We won't see that from Antonio Gibson. But Christian McCaffrey, only 400-plus rushing yards, didn't hit that 500-yard mark. So, no, absolutely. Jonathan Stewart was the man in that backfield, 198 carries to Christian McCaffrey's 116. And Adrian Peterson is just going to be this version of Jonathan Stewart. It sucks. I really do want to see Antonio Gibson get the load. But for the most part, it's it's not really exciting. Like Darius Geis is the big winner because he's the starter now, but it really is tough. And Antonio Gibson, for me, he comes in around running back 33. So how about you, Jason? What are your thoughts on Washington's backfield? I'm surprised you didn't really have a whole list for uh, Bryce Love. Everybody seems to have all the love for him, you know? Oh, ha ha. Very punny. I had Good you. Job, Jason. <laughs> but, you know, I think AP is the guy you want. It allows time for both Bryce Love and Gibson. I still think Gibson actually gets a lot of work just because, like you said, he is a passing pass getter. He's just good at passing the ball in college. He was a monster. So I, I agree. You know, uh, I just I think that Bryce Love has to be able to pick it up. And I think with AP there, he gets that time and is able to slowly be added in and wouldn't be surprised if he ends a year on a high note. I think you completely nailed it there, Jason. That. Oh, you took some time off from the show and you, you started making some sense. All right. So anyways, yeah, Bryce Love, low-key winner in this. So Adrian Peterson, clear winner. Like I said, he's now gone from backup to starter. Gibson's a winner because, like you said, great in the passing game. Geis is no longer there to siphon targets away from him. So he sees a bump. But Bryce Love is going to be the best value on the team because the other two are seeing their ADP rise already. Love was one of 21, uh, is the owner of one of 21 2,000-yard rushing season in college. So he was an absolute unit at Stanford. Really exciting guy if he's healthy, and he costs you absolutely nothing. So he's a lone potential back value in that backfield, unless you want to get in, get into the three games you're going to get from JD McKissick. Are you in on that, Jason? No, I don't believe. No, I, I can't. He's had too many opportunities. I don't think he's going to be the guy. And I think that the uh, Gibson just has too much talent. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they even start trying to play him at wide receiver position a little bit, just because he can catch the ball so well. I think you nailed uh nailed it right there and i think your description for jd mckissick can also be applied to peyton barber just he's been given too many chances not relevant so anyways we're going to move on to the raiders they've had a lot of conversation lately tyrell williams says he's over his plantar fasciitis issues that plagued him last year he was really bothered by that foot after a hot start but brian edwards has already been announced the starter along uh playing outside opposite tyrell williams and apparently his henry rugs is going to be in the slot so clearly this implies hunter renfro Odd man out. Is that how you see this shaking out, Jason? Are you in on Hunter Renfro? Are you out on Hunter Renfro? Rank these four receivers for me, please. Man, you know I have just a deep spot for Hunter Renfro in my heart. He's too talented. He started to come on last year towards the end of the year. And, you know, he I wouldn't be surprised they kind of ease rugs into the slot, let him have some easier spots. But with that much speed, he has to move to the outside and be just able to take the top off of defenses. I mean, I see Williams probably doing the same thing with uh, Renfro being able to split time with Ruggs and even Edwards. I wouldn't be surprised if Edwards comes in and is able to do a lot of trick plays and just is same thing as Ruggs. They're just both talented players that are quick, and that's just happens to be what the Raiders like to do, and especially now in Vegas. They're going to take all the risks they can and roll the dice. Uh how do you rank these guys one through four it's still going to be renfro for me uh as the one rugs edwards and then williams just and i just i can't do it you know because even then i mean you're looking at waller and i he loved waller last year and as the year came on renfro took more and more targets from him and even other tight ends were taking targets from him what do you think jack See, I personally believe this is nothing but coach speak. So I've been, I have been on the bandwagon for a while now. Henry Ruggs, he's going to be the featured weapon. They're going to use him like they wanted Antonio Brown to be for that Gruden offense in that Z receiver role. But the thing with that is in the West Coast system that Gruden runs, that Andy Reid runs, the guy that plays the Z is like an Antonio Brown, like a Tyree Kill, and like a Deshaun Jackson. Speedsters can take the top off the defense plays downfield, but they can move into the slot depending on what's needed to take advantage of matchups. So Ruggs, yeah, he probably is going to play in the slot. He's probably going to be see about 40% of his snaps there, but that still leaves about 60% of the slot snaps up for uh, Hunter Renfro. 
And like I like you said, Tyrell Williams, I really don't see him as much more than a situational deep threat at this point and just a distraction decoy on the outside. I do my personal rankings for them. I think Henry Ruggs is going to be the PPR target monster. They're going to feed him targets because it's Gruden. Then I'm going to go Renfro. Then I'm going to go Edwards. And then I'm going to have Williams way below. Yeah, those so, those rookies really come in and just put a dagger into Williams for me. And I just I, I think he's done. Agree completely. And so speaking of done, we're now talking about two running backs and they're, they're both concerned about their weight, but two different types. So we've got Le'Veon Bell. He was listed at 225. He's cut down to 210, 215 ish. He said he didn't feel quick enough last season. And he says, this is the lightest he's been since high school. I feel you love me too. Quarantine's been great. But on the other end of the spectrum, we've got Rojo and Ronald Jones says he's put on six to eight pounds. He's up to 225 now, and he's hoping that he can better handle that bell cow role. So Jones was 208 as a rookie, jumped up to 2018 as a sophomore, and now he's gotten even bigger. So do you like Bell's cutting strategy, or are you a bulking season kind of guy with Rojo? Where do these guys fall for you? I think you're looking at two different teams, because when you look at Tampa Bay, they really like that bigger guy. That's why I think Barber got a lot of the touches last year, because he was just heavier and bigger. And I also think that his weight helps him be a better blocker. He was a little small. I mean, you see, saw Christian McCaffrey do the same thing. He put on 10 pounds and was able to do it correctly, and it helped him. He became a better running back and blocker. I mean, just adding the weight the right way is completely different than bulking, in my opinion. If you're adding weight the right way, you're able to put on the muscle, and you naturally get heavier because muscle weighs more than fat. So I think he did it the right way. But I'll give you something fun about Ronald Jones here. There were 64 running backs last year that ran 100 rounds. The top five in yards per route run included Austin Eckler, DeAndre Washington, Dalvin Cook, James White, oh, and Ronald Jones. So just something kind of fun there. I mean, I'm also really high on Bell. He is probably going to be my second running back, if, I, if not third, depending on how late he's going, because... Fancy Pros has an RB21 or the 54th player off the board. And that's a great value. I really like getting in there. But, you know, at the same point, Gase has that silly offense and he brought in Gore. You never know what the dude's going to do. I just, it's, there's too many other options to really want to risk it. But I think both of them are great values at where they're going. All right, so you made some really fair points there. And see, uh, short answer, I really don't like either, but that's kind of a cop-out. So since I made you answer, I'm going to give you an answer of myself. It's Bell all the way. So I never understood the I want to put on more weight to play better for narrative from running backs. More weight generally makes you slower. You're less explosive as a rusher. Sure, you get the extra power, but why do you want that power? You don't want to be making contact. We want the elusiveness. We want to be lighter. We want to be light on our feet. We don't want to be hitting other players. That's how we get hurt. So... The fact that Ronald Jones bulking up, I don't completely love it, but it did work for him last offseason. You're right. He did improve as a receiver last season. He improved as a runner, too. He was averaging 1.9 yards per carry as a rookie. That was terrible. Looked like he was going to be washed out of the league quick. So, you know what? Maybe it does actually help him. Maybe he kind of transforms himself into that LeGarrette Blunt beater back role, and maybe it does work. We could be looking at some interesting things from him. But give me Le'Veon Bell because we have seen him do this already. He went into the combine 230 pounds, heavier than that as a rookie for his actual playing weight, averaged 3.5 yards of carry, 860 yards. Lost almost 20 pounds that offseason, 1,361 rushing yards, 4.7 yards a pop. And so obviously that's not all weight loss. It, like That doesn't change uh, the, uh, the blocking scheme, etc. There's more to it than that. But we've seen Bell succeed for when he was skinny for years in Pittsburgh. And we all know he did put on weight through that offseason, that entire year where he wasn't playing. So now that he's back in shape, I'm really excited to see what he can be, see if he can get back to some of that early career efficiency. But I still don't like him because, like you said, the Adam Gase offense, Frank Gore is going to get 100 carries. It's going to be awful. It's going to happen. Really not a Le'Veon Bell fan. Really not a Ronald Jones fan because, like you said, he did improve. But don't draft Keyshawn Vaughn if you like Ronald Jones. You don't draft Raymond Clay if you like Ronald Jones. And you don't sign LaShawn McCoy if you like Ronald Jones. And you also don't announce Daria Gumbawale as the passing down back if, like you said, Ronald Jones was such a great receiver. No, he's just he, you had to lower it to 100 targets. I saw what you did there. You made the sample size low enough, Jason, to make it count. But, yeah, like you said, not excited about Ronald Jones, not excited about Bell. I'm very sorry, Jason. Apologies. 
It's all good. I mean, you're looking at McCoy, who literally came in and said, it's Ronald Judd's backfield. I'm just here to mentor him. And I think that's a great move because Jones didn't really have that in Barber. Barber was not the guy to be a mentor. He didn't have the skill set. And I think LaShawn McCoy really does. And granted, I do think that Dari gets some touches, but it's going to be Ronald Jones. I, I think he's going to improve. And even then, like you said, Bell is going to have issues and has a lot to prove. I think he's going to be a little upset that people are so down on him still from his lack of efficiency over the past two years. But last year, he still did a great job, even if it was two yards at a time. I mean, he's going to get enough. To how, how can you be great two yards at a time? How does that work? He's a pass catcher. I mean, he ended the year as a top 24 back. I, I don't know what I'll tell you because I was surprised to see that, but he still did it. So it's, oh, congrats it's on things. being a top 24 back. You were an RB two. congrats. Le'Veon Bell. We took you 250 carries, whatever it was. Great. Really exciting. Let's hope he can get some of that efficiency back from early in his career, because if not, I, it's just disgusting. I'm not excited about it at all. Anyways, I need a break. I need a shower and honestly, probably a drink after spending that much time talking about Ronald Jones and Le'Veon Bell. So let's kick it to Steve so I can feel less gross. Support for the Important Nonsense podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Hey guys, it's Steve. It's summertime. The temperature is turning up out there, and you know when the heat is turned up, your undercarriage needs to be cleaned up. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer the Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin safe technology. Now when I tell you this is premium, I mean it is premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes, so you can take a longer shave. Take your time. You don't want any accidents down there. And the water-resistant technology allows you to even groom in the shower. One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates your grooming area for a closer, more precise trim. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. Let's not forget about the charging stand, people. You want to show off that mower loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. Look, if you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience this firsthand for yourself. Just head over to manscaped.com and use promo code NONSENSE. That's N-O-N-S-E-N-S-E. You'll get 20% off plus free shipping. One more time, that code is NONSENSE at manscaped.com to get your 20% off and free shipping today. All right, thanks for that. And now we're moving on to Jason's question corner. With Jason having gone over on the Fantasy Life app, he got some questions from our audience. Jason, why don't you plug yourself on FLA? Tell us about it and uh, lead us into some questions. I mean, as the season gets closer, you can always find me. You know, once the season actually starts, I'm there Thursday afternoon, Sunday mornings, and Monday afternoons. There to answer all your start sit questions in the start sit community. It's it's what I like to do. It takes me an amazing amount of time, but you have to be a little patient with me there just because wow, there's a lot of questions every Sunday morning. So hopefully I'll be able to get to them all. If not, I mean you can still reach out to me on Twitter, Instagram, and even just direct message me and I'll try and get any questions answered throughout the week if you're having that decision. Uh but I asked the question to see what people wanted us to talk about, and one of them was, who's the 10th round QB that's going to win me my league, like last year's Lamar Jackson? And that's from Sweet 7-Eleven. What do you think? Also, for me, uh, I'm going to use ADP over from our friends over at Fantasy Football Calculator. So in round 10, we've got Matthew Stafford, 10-03, Cam Newton, 10-09. Both are great options. Stafford, he was kept on a leash for about three years with Jim Bob Cooter. Average at the never above nine yards, usually well below eight yards. Was 31st, 20th, and 36th among quarterbacks in average at the target. 
And then Daryl Bevel comes in, lets him sling it. 11.4 A dot, first in the league. He was one of three quarterbacks to average. He was he was targeting every time he threw the ball. It was an average of beyond the sticks. He's one of three quarterbacks to do that. Serious imp- seriously impressive. He's got weapons and Kenny Galladay, healthy Marvin Jones. Really excited about him. And when he was healthy last year, he was QB2 uh, in the, his final three games, averaging 26.59 points per game. And he still ended the Q- season as QB4 in points per game during the fantasies fantasy season, even after he got hurt. So just because other people played longer than him, he was still QB four. If you're looking at points per game, which you should be doing. So Stafford seriously impressive. Also Cam Newton. He was QB two as recently as 2017 and QB one in 2015. And have you seen those Instagram videos, Jason? So excited about Cam Newton. He is looking healthy, healthy. How do you feel about Cam Newton and Matt Stafford? Yeah, I think these are great picks i love the videos i think newton's looking healthy i just need to say you are a thief okay i love these picks these are guys that i like taking the later rounds but you you missed a couple i mean just before them you have josh allen and carson wentz both going they're oh no not josh allen he's just so safe that rushing floor helps it's both of them just are great runners and i know that's crazy and probably why Wentz can't seem to seem healthy but it's one of those things that you take into account. They're players that are similar to Cam Newton and can sling it. But, you know, I hate having to draft a QB until I have to, like a super flex, or in, you know, as late as possible. So I'll let you try and make it even tougher on me. Do you have other players that you like going a little later? I can't believe you just called Josh Allen safe when he has not completed 60% of his passes in a given year. That's kind of egregious there, Jason. But it'll happen. All right. Okay. All right. Maybe, maybe complete 60% this year. Finally, congrats, Josh Allen. Looking forward to it. Uh, So Daniel Jones, another really popular name. He's going at the the 11.05 right now. So with that rushing ability, really exciting. But if we're going real deep, like you just asked me, Teddy Bridgewater is the man. He was the QB 12 in his five starts last season. So we've already seen him be a QB one QB or finishing as QB 12. That makes him a QB one. You usually have 12, uh, 12 teams in your league QB one. So we've already seen him do that. And he's the exact opposite of Matthew Stafford. His 6.1 ADOT was 37th out of 37 QBs, but he has the perfect weapons for it. Christian McCaffrey, elite receiving back. DJ Moore, elite yards after catch receiver. Curtis Samuel, he is no longer going to be the deep threat because they brought in Robbie Anderson to play that. So now Curtis Samuel, he can be the the gadget player like Paris Campbell is. Yards after catch monster that's what we want to see out of him and like i said he's got robbie anderson running the deep routes he's got ian thomas he's in the nfc south it's going to be shootouts with the bucks the falcons the saints teddy bridgewater and the panthers are the most undervalued offense in fantasy football this season so go teddy jason yeah i agree i mean everybody has christian mccaffrey so high they have dj moore so high who's going to be throwing him the ball of course he's a great value i love this this is a great guy for especially a safe floor. However, for me, if I'm taking a shot and just grabbing a player at the end of draft like I like to do, man, it has to be Gardner Minshew. He's going for free. You can pick him up even before the first week of the year more often than not. He has that rushing floor, and he's just not a player that's going to be slow. I don't like his first two weeks of the season because he gets the Colts and Titans, but after that, the season looks pretty solid. He gets the Dolphins the next week and the Bengals after that. I mean, it's just impressive. And if you're really looking for just a one-week quarterback, Derek Carr is a great option for the first week because he gets to go against the Panthers. And you know what? That defense is atrocious, and I love it. I think it's going to be a great option for people, and he's just another player that you're going to be able to pick up and use for that one week. Uh, in that same one week, just looking at the schedule, I think – Jamie Garoppolo is another good option, and Jared Goff. I mean, these guys get the Cardinals and the Cowboys, and I think the Rams versus the Cowboys might just be a huge blow-up game, and I could see it just being high-scoring and everybody going crazy. So with that, let's move on to the next question. Hold hold on a sec. So what I'm hearing Uh is you are saying that quarterback is super deep and you shouldn't reach for one. Okay, great. Noted. Moving on. That's normally how I like to do it. I mean, every week. Perfect. Last year, you know, I keep saying there were 36 that were ha- quarterbacks that had QB one weeks. 36 of them. Ridiculous. How many teams Ridiculous. are there? 32, Jason. Okay, just wanted to make sure. But let's get off of that because there's even more craziness that is going around the league. And that 
belongs to Clyde Edwards Alaire. So D Cowboys brought it up on the Fantasy Life app and asked, How early are you drafting CEH? I mean, for me, if he fell to the late second round, early third round, I'd be great for that. I think that's a great value. I'm not worried about it at all. But for some reason, people are taking him at 105, 106. This is just blowing me away. It is the same reason I won't have Tyreek Hill. You don't know how long it's going to last and what week is going to be. So where would you put him, Jack? I have to know. So for me personally, I will, I'll, I'll start by answering your question, and then I'm going to rant because this seriously it gets, gets me heated. So he is my RB13 right now, so I do have him right in that RB1 range. However, like you said, I'm he, he's not worth the 105. He absolutely is not. And so I've heard of him going at the 101. I've personally seen him go ahead of Zeke. I've seen him go ahead of Kamara, and I've seen him go ahead of Dalvin Cook. So right now he's tied with Cook at the 106 on Fantasy Football Calculator, and that's just not okay. Just because he plays with Patrick Mahomes and just because Andy Reid drafted him doesn't mean he's that exciting. So the last time we got this excited about a rookie running back, it was Saquon Barkley. But Saquon was the number two overall pick. He wasn't the number 32 overall pick. Number two, elite athlete. Saquon runs a 4-4. He's six foot, 233 pounds. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, he's 5'7 and 207. He runs a 4-6. He's incredibly slow. He's a shifty and he catches a lot of passes. But so Jason, one question. Joe Burrow threw for 60 touchdowns. How many Clyde Edwards-Hilaire caught? Uh, I mean, 60 touchdowns, that has to be like, you know, 10. He has to get at least a six of them, right? That has to be right. And one. One, Jason. (gasps) One touchdown. No way. He had 55 55 receptions on that LSU offense, and he found the end zone once. So Saquon Barkley, 54 catches in his final season at Penn State, scored three times. 172 yards more than uh, Christian McCaffrey. Sorry, not Christian McCaffrey. Do not get those two confused. He had 172 yards more than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. So the hype has just gotten out of control. It's all about Patrick Mahomes. It's all about Andy Reid. We're not even talking about Jonathan Taylor, who had five touchdowns on 26 receptions last year. Granted, it's not all about the touchdowns, but still, there's a clear divide. This is why Jonathan Taylor is a 101 in the dynasty, and this is why Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is overrated in fantasy football. Sorry, Jason, that gets me heated. Have anything to say about that? Oh, I have a lot to say. Don't you believe it? It is insane, but I don't want to get into it yet. Give me a minute because D Cowboys had another question, and I figure we need to answer oh, that first. And you're gonna make me mad again? Probably a little bit. It's going to be pretty similar, I'm sure. Who are our first round bust predictions? So I have to know who do you have? Well, it's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. It's, it's obvious. It is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. It is CEH. So I, I just ranted about it. Who's yours, Jason? You picked my choice. Go figure. This guy is crazy. I don't understand how he's going that early in any draft. Okay? Just sit with me for a second because Steve and I, or Steve brought it up and had a bunch of great stats and comparables. Okay? Maurice Jones-Drew and Jacquez Rogers, both 5'7" both 200 pounds. How successful were their careers? I mean, Maurice Jones-Drew was a freak. But, I mean, even just looking at that, you had the, another comparable. Just looking at players that are 5'7", Tariq Cohen and Darren Sproles. Not even that. I mean, I, it's just driving me crazy because the talent is there. I believe that he's super talented. You know who else is 5'7"? And on the same team, Darwin Thompson. Like, this is all insane to me because these players are really tiny they're light they're i would say thompson is a lot more shifty than ceh but again what i see in this trend is these players are not lead backs these are players that are more of a pass catcher they're usually behind another back they have the talent philip Lindsay is another one that comes to mind i mean he's 5'8 190 pounds he couldn't last it's just players like that are built like that can't aren't built to take that many hits. They're not a bell cow. They're not any number of players, whether it's Derrick Henry or any one of them. I mean, Deion Lewis and Chris Thompson are also five, eight and 195 pounds. And both of them couldn't handle the role. The only one that was successful was Maurice Jones drew from 2006 to 2011 and peaking in 2009 to 2011. He had 1400 yard seasons and averaged eight touchdowns on those seasons. Like, that's great for him. But that's not this 
what we're playing with anymore. When our, when the RB2 at that size is Jaquiz Rogers after Maurice Jones-Drew, maybe that's not the outlier you should be chasing. And you made a really good point, too. Darwin Thompson, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, what's the difference? One played at Utah State, one played at LSU. They're both undersized. They're both unathletic as hell. It's The hype has just gotten out of hand. It really is upsetting, Jason. It really is upsetting to me. So is there any... Just, I have to add one last thing for it because I think you'll like this. Devin Singletary, 2019, 151 attempts for 775 yards and two touchdowns. That's another comparable to him. And when you plug him into the calculator, his comparable for current running backs is Chase Edmonds. Outside of him, however, the two people I could potentially see as bust in the first round are Hopkins and Mixon. Just, just something for obviously Mixon, obviously Mixon. I had to put him in there. You know, hate that man for what he did to you. He, anyways. But I am, I have upside for him. I believe that he has a chance. It's just one of those things that you have to keep in mind. I, it's a new offense. We'll get into it later. Mm -hmm. No, they the ceiling is capped in Cincinnati with the rookie quarterback. It could be a little bit of a bust. And like you said about DeAndre Hopkins, he is switching teams. Kyler Murray is his new quarterback, which uh, it's it is a downgrade from Deshaun Watson. It's an upgrade from a lot of the quarterbacks he's had in the past. However, it's still something new, and you can't just project him for that those 140 targets that we're just accustomed to seeing anymore. It could be a little bit more spread out. Kyler Murray, like you said in the chat today, Kyler Murray's already hyping Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk as a other thousand yard receiver. So they're going to spread the ball around in Arizona. It's not going to be force feeding DeAndre Hopkins targets anymore. So no, I do like both of those picks. Yeah, you know, but okay. It's the last one from the Cowboys. He had one final question. We'll get off of CEH for now and busting. And we're looking at best late round value picks. So the first question I have for you, Jack, is what do you consider a late round? I mean, for me, I'm looking at it and I'm like, oh, probably after I get my first two receivers, my first two running backs, if it's a three receiver league, so after I get those two and potentially a flex, so we're looking five, six rounds, where do you, what is your considered a late round value for you? All right. So for late round, we'll go for running backs and receivers, uh, eighth round to 16th, uh, anywhere, or sorry, anywhere past the eighth round for running backs and receivers. Those are the later guys. And for the tight ends, we'll go double digits because no one's drafting tight ends high and or in that middle range, they're going high and then they're going late. So double digits for tight ends round eight for wide receiver. So, uh, so for wide receiver, I'm going with Preston Williams. I'm going with Anthony Miller and I'm going with Brashad Perriman. So Preston Williams tore his ACL, but before that he was on pace with Devonte Parker. He was one slot below him on fantasy pros rankings. And he, everyone forgets about him because the game that he blew up is the game that he tore his ACL. So Preston Williams is a forgotten man. There is no target competition there. Alan Hearns is gone. They just, uh, they just signed Charles Rogers. So that tells you all you need to know about the Dolphins pass catching game outside of Preston Williams, Devonte Parker, Mike Gusecki. So he is going to be fed targets on the outside. Anthony Miller, he's going to be fed targets in the slot, and now he has the most accurate quarterback he's ever played with in Nick Foles. He's better than Mitch Trubisky by far. I really don't know. It's it's going to be Nick Foles starting. I'm sorry. They didn't trade for him. They didn't take on that massive contract to not start him. So Anthony Miller, best quarterback of his career. And now we get Rashad Perriman. He really started to make plays at the end of the year with uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He and Jason caught some fire, and Sam Darnold kind of has that Jason Jameis Winston kind of IDGAF flair to him. Arnold's going to sling it. He threw four interceptions against the Patriots because he is willing to put it in there. He's willing to make tight window throws. He's willing to make mistakes. And that's perfect with Rashad Perryman, a deep down th field threat. He realistically could lead the Jets in targets. He's facing off against Jameson Crowder and rookie Denzel Mims. So those are three receivers I really like in the late rounds. All of them could be wide receiver ones by the end of the year. Who do you have at wide receiver, Jason? Yeah, I absolutely love your picks, with the exception of Brad, Rashad Perriman, but that's just because... I, I know, I know. It, it's gross. It's gross. I, I, I get it. Okay. I, as long as you realize it, that's fine. I just wanted to make sure you knew. But you have people that are going later. I mean, granted, a couple of them are rookies, but Deontay Johnson, I think, is a great sleeper just because he's going later in drafts. Juju's going to get that coverage, and he's going to be a good fallback guy. I think that he has a chance to really move up this year. Another great one who we've talked about all offseason is C.D. Lamb. The dude is incredible. He's going to be playing in this slot. 
I just I think that his upside is amazing. And going this late, it's a great upside play. A guy who really showed up last year is Darius Slayton. Love Darius Slayton. Steve got him on our Scott, Scott Fishbowl team for the Important Nonsense uh, podcast. It's really exciting. Love me some Darius Slayton. Yeah, and it's hard not to. I mean, he's just a great player, and I think that with Daniel Jones really coming in and being able to spread it around, if all the wide receivers are healthy, holy cow, that's going to be a scary team to go up against. After that, Jerry Judy. Sutton kind of struggled last year when he was getting all the pressure. I think Judy's going to help take it off, and he's probably going to be playing in the slot. And I love that. I think that's going to be great for him. I think he's really going to be able to explode. And you brought up Rashad Perryman, but you left out Crowder. You mentioned it, but he's the guy. He's also going so late that in PPR, he's just a great value. We are he, he is a great value. You can't argue with that. It's just so unsexy, and I'm shooting upside with Perriman. That's where I differ with you there. But no, both completely great values. Yeah, and then when I, Hunter Renfro, you know, will get those talents, those targets too. I know we differ there. But finally, Paris Campbell. Like, I totally forgot about this player until somebody brought him up, and I was like, wow, he could actually be the wide receiver too for a while. Or if Hilton goes down, that could be a great option for Pittman Jr. to come up. And he's just one of those guys that you is a great dart throw for that upside play. So let's get off the really receivers. I really love those slot receivers. Holy. All right. Yeah, let's it's amazing how that works out. But come on, go on to running back. I have to hear who you got. All right. So I'm going with Josh Kelly and I'm going with Justin Jackson. I love both of them. They both. Honestly, either one of them could end up seeing 60% of the carries in LA. So that's really exciting. Austin Eckler, he's never seen above 50% of the carries. So why are we projecting him to see more than that? Why do we think he's going to all of a sudden see 70% of the touches? Joshua Kelly, Justin Jackson both have a role. DeAndre Washington, he's now the RB2 in Kansas City. Really exciting. Damian Williams is gone. He's not playing this season. And then you've got Latavius Murray and Boston Scott kind of as the hand cuts, cuffs going late. Latavius Murray was an RB1 both weeks that uh, Alvin Kamara was out last season and Boston Scott showed what he can do as well. Athletic freak. He is one of those tiny guys, like you mentioned, but he is just so specially athletic and he has that Darren Sproles pass catching profile. It is really exciting. So yeah, those they are really all love that in Philadelphia. Exactly. How can you not be excited about it? It's just, you love to see it. And all those guys could end up being late round gems for you. Oh, I absolutely love the DeAndre Washington pick. I mean, I could not, I would be, correction, I wouldn't be surprised, not at all, if he ends up being the running back that you want on that team. He's a great, great pass. He's a rookie. Clyde Edwards Hilaire is a rookie, and he doesn't know anything about pass blocking. He ran routes all the time at LSU, couldn't score on those routes that he was running, but I digress there. So, what happens when he starts missing blocks? DeAndre Washington goes in because they can't get Patrick Mahomes killed. What happens then, Jason? Yeah, I agree. That's why I like Washington. I think this is a great pick. I mean, he's one of the guys that is super valuable that nobody's looking at because everybody's so hyped on CEH. And it's just amazing to me. I have no idea why they're doing that because, wow, he's at o Oakland, now Las Vegas. But as a Raider, he was a great pass catcher. He was a great pass blocker, and he could run between the tackles. He is the guy that you want to be your RB1. I, with all the other backs to help kind of give him that break with Darwin Thompson and Clyde Edwards at Lair, like this should be great. I, I love him as a lead back. I think it's a great role for him. And with Damian Williams having opted out, which blew us all away and shot CEH to this conundrum he's in, I, I, it's hard for me to believe that DeAndre Washington does not have a significant amount of value. Completely agree with you there. Uh, so finally, for my tight end picks, I'm going with Jonu Smith every single time. He is an absolute absolute stud. He was second on the team in targets uh, towards the end of the season after Ryan Tannehill took over. The third on team in targets was, or sorry, he was third on the team in targets. Corey Davis was second, but he was second on the team in receptions because he's better than Corey Davis. Corey Davis is not good. Adam Humphreys is incredibly average. It's AJ Brown and it's Jonu Smith. Both of them are going to ball this season. Derrick Henry is going to continue to run people over. So Jonu Smith each and every time. And then Austin Hooper and TJ Hawkinson in round 12 are okay as well. I really enjoy both those players. But Jonu Smith going later than both of them. Take him every single draft. Yeah, and I like Jonu. He's definitely somebody that you need to look at. I like the Hooper pick. And 
They're all great picks. I really believe in it. But I started it last year. I hated Jason Witten for it. And it's Blake Jarwin, man. That talent is just there. All those targets are there. I On that offense, it should be able to just eat. But at the same point, there's another tight end that's going just as late in Jack Doyle. And I don't understand why people were so down on him. It's because he's the least sexy tight end in fantasy football history. However, he continues to produce. It's amazing how that works. How much value can you have? And he lost Eric Ebron. Like, what? Why? Oh, well, they replaced him with Trey Burton there, Jason. Don't forget about that. Ho, ho, ho. Yeah, no, no way. I don't believe that for a second. No, no, absolutely not. Jack Doyle, absolute screaming value, especially with Phillip Rivers. You know all about that. He loves to feed the tight end. Yep, he gives tight. He only had one year without a tight end one. And it was oh. last year. Huh, go figure. Oh, the year Hunter Henry was hurt for most of the season. Oh, okay, interesting. Good to know. All right, well, thank you, Jason. All right, thank you for those questions. It's been great. And if you want your questions answered on the show, hit us up on Twitter. You can find Jason over at that FF nerd. You can find myself at Javno 87, or you can hit up Jason on the fantasy life app. That way you can be featured on the important nonsense podcast. And speaking of the site, let's hear from the boss and send it over to Steve. All right, Jason. So one of the most passionate debates this podcast has ever seen happened when you tried to throw in Evan Ingram to the big three of tight ends. I mean, you didn't want to include Mark Andrews. You want to throw in Evan Ingram. So sorry, I'm not going to not, not going to lose sight of the point. Not going to rehash that. And so instead we're going to actually have some fun. We're going to make an intense debate talking about the tiers again. This time we're going to move it over to the running back. So we know you've got the locked in top four. You've got CMC, you've got Saquon Barkley, you got Zeke Elliott, you got Alvin Kamara. Jason, does anyone else belong in that conversation, or is it a true running back Mount Rushmore with just the big four? Is it a big five? Is it a big six? Where do you stand? Man, it's going to be close. I don't know if I'm between five and six, but I have two players that I really just love, and it's partially due to Gruden saying that Josh Jacobs getting snubbed last year for MVP. Like, oh, man, he is so talented. He should have gotten it as a rookie. It's blown me away. I think that with them getting rid of DeAndre Washington, it's hard not to see his passes go up and they really show him in the offense. And he played with a... He was hurt. Like, what? Why? He had was able to play majority of the games and finish them and did amazing. Being hurt. With a literal broken shoulder. His shoulder was quite literally broken. And, yeah, and I don't know. How valuable is holding a ball when you're... With a broken shoulder, I, I don't know how difficult that might be. You have any idea? Can't imagine it's, can't imagine it's easy. So Josh Jacobs, is he officially in your top, your big five? Yeah. Adding him to that list? All I right. Am. And even then, I'm looking at Cook. He's another player that has that pass-casting ability. They like to run it. And, this, of course, he just is a talented player. But, you know, oh, yeah, wait. Let me think about it. Uh, CH isn't on that list. Oh, well, stop. Yeah, yeah, stop. <laughs> get, that, get that out of here. So Cl- Clyde Edwards Hilaire, not on this running back Mount Rushmore. It's not a Mount Rushmore. We're going to move it to six, apparently. Uh, so, yeah, like you said, a lot of people will argue Dalvin Cook. I get it. I truly do. But I am a bit worried about the Vikings, man. Like, so we've seen some pictures from training camp. It looks like their second round tackle is going to play left guard as for Cleveland, which is good. However, their center was terrible last year. They cut their right guard. Their left guard last year, Pat Elfline, was terrible. And we're figuring out who their right guard is. So two big holes on the interior of that offensive line. Adams Thielen basically missed eight games. He only missed six, but he basically missed another two because he was ineffective. So there's really a chance we see old BC Johnson and Justin Jefferson starting several games together. I Dalvin Cook has me a little bit worried, so I put Nick Chubb above Dalvin Cook because I really liked what that's what Kevin Stefanski can bring to Cleveland. I think he is going to get fed the rock. I think he's going to be used more in the passing game because he can. He is a very effective receiver, Nick Chubb. We've seen him do it. He was a receiver in high school. The only reason he doesn't get to do it is because Kareem Hunt is there. Fair enough. However. Really excited. I think there's plenty of room to go around in this Cleveland offense. He is my RB6, and then I do have Dalvin Cook. And I also have Josh Jacobs at RB7. So, yeah, very excited. I can't believe how correct you are, Jason. Very impressed. Yeah, I I agree. But, again, I like Chubb, but what 
really hinders him is Hunt build issues. I think he would be a starting running back almost anywhere. If he was still at Kansas City, can you believe how scary that would be? Holy cow. I don't want to even go. I there. do agree with you there. However, Nick Chubb is still just way better than Kareem Hunt. So it, yes, Kareem Hunt, very talented. Nick Chubb is an elite running back. So I'm not ready to put him into the into that big four category. I have him a tier below. I have him and Dalvin and Josh Jacobs all in that tier too. I've also got Kenyon Drake, Derek Henry, and Miles Sanders in that tier for heading into this season. So Jason, how would you rank those guys? I know you said uh, Dalvin Cook and Josh Jacobs are one, two, but after that, Nick Chubb, Kenyon Drake, Eric Henry, Miles Sanders. How do you rank those guys? Let's see. Well, we said Jacobs goes first, Cook is second. I probably am looking Chubb here, then Henry, then Sanders and Drake. I just, I'm, I'm worried that the Eagles are going to bring in somebody else who's bigger. They have Boston Scott there to do what Darren Sproles did, what Ryan Matthews did, all these other running backs that are just pass-catching backs. And the same kind of goes for Drake. As I'm just worried he can't handle a full season. And Chase Edmonds is still there. It's just one of those things I could see them really splitting carries. But this is a close tier, and any slight changes could move one player one way or the other. It's just incredible. Completely agree with you there. And to, to be fair, as soon as the Eagles do sign a running back of consequence, because that's the thing right now is outside of Boston Scott, they have Elijah Holyfield, who is nothing. They have Michael Warren, who's a UDFA. He's not worth anything at this point. And they have Corey Clement, who's not worth anything. So until then, Miles Sanders, RB10, I will drop him down at the rankings as soon as they do sign a running back. But is there anyone else who belongs in that category with them? Is there any other two tier two running backs you think, Jason? Yeah, I have a couple that I think probably go ahead of Sanders and Drake just because I think they're going to be a potentially safer. And that's David Johnson and Leonard Fournette. I th think that Johnson has an approved line. I think Hopkins is going to be able to give the ball to him more. And since he, they did lose DeAndre Hopkins, he's going to be able to spread the ball around. And I think that means that Johnson is able to run out, be a wide receiver, or come out of the backfield as well as Duke Johnson. I mean, both Johnsons can be great pass catchers. And just the idea of being able to use either one interchangeably and kind of take the work off of them makes it really incredible. But Fournette has jumped because, huh, Steven manipulating his, the stats. Holy cow. He got me on a question a couple of days ago or last week, and it was just, over the last three years, only three RBs have finished in the top 12 in points per game. And Zeke Elliott, Alvin Kamara, and Leonard Fournette. Do you think I'm crazy? Or is this just people that are should be lower? I'm, I'm, I have to get your opinion on this, Jack. What do you think? So I don't think you're crazy. The, the math lines up. And with you, that's important. Because the math rarely li lines up with you, Jason. Usually you just pull stuff from nowhere, and it doesn't really add up to anything that's going to actually make sense on the field. However, the math is all there. Those guys are both, as of now, they're both workhorses. They have no one to compete with touches, compete with four touches. Uh, Duke Johnson, we know we think he's super talented, objectively, athletic, great pass catcher. However, and they paid him. Just keep that in mind I, as well. Also, but we've we've seen how they use him. They pay they traded for David Johnson for a reason. They want him to be that bell cow in Houston. So yes, he it that's the competition, but really it's not competition. And then in Jacksonville, we have the corpse of Chris Thompson, who I'm not worried about. I don't know why people keep bringing him up. Washington got rid of him for J.D. McKissick. That's all you need to know about Chris Thompson this year. And that's for but, Quell Armstead. I was about not say, what about Armstead? He, the rookie is there. Didn't you see his picture? Man, he looks buff. <laughs> He's fine. He's very fine. He's a fifth-round rookie that doesn't catch the ball. Congrats. No, Leonard Fournette. I, and so, it, but the problem is, David Johnson, at least, is I am worried about him. We haven't actually seen him be effective in about three years. He's been, He was an RB10 two years ago but he hasn't been efficient in years. He hasn't averaged over four yards of carry in years. So that does kind of scare me. I actually do have him down in tier four. And so for me, the tier three guys, Grand, I already told you the tier two, the tier three guys for me were Leonard Fournette falls. Those are the guys that are almost a lock to flirt with RB one top, which is top 12 status. So 
For me, that's guys like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, that's Aaron Jones, Austin Eckler, that all the ceilings are absolutely massive. They have such good efficiency. They're great pass catchers, but they have a lower floor because of the workload. Their offenses phase them out. They are just pass catchers. So I have them in the mix with Joe Mixon, Todd Gurley, Leonard Fournette, and Chris Carson, because I think those guys are locked into 200, 250 plus touches and good offenses. So I know you probably disagree with Mixon, but that's where I have the difference is things have to... Those guys are locked into that role. I think things have to go right for David Johnson. We've seen him be ineffective. We've seen him be hurt. So that scares me. Do you have anyone to add to my tier three? Do you have any disputes, Jason? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, Mixon is fine. I don't really hate him. It's just one of those fun things that I have to bring up every time because, wow, it's ugly to watch. But he, he kind of has that look of Derrick Henry where it takes him to really get going and hit that 23rd time or whatever to really break free. But of your group, you know, Fournette, I think definitely leads it for Gurley. I don't know if you listened to yesterday's podcast or Wednesday, I guess, whatever. I don't know when this is going to drop, but with that in mind, Stephen Neal nail Gurley. And I think it's a great episode. You have to listen to it beyond that. You have to see the NFC North episode that they did. And man, does Steve lean into Jones hard here and why he should be taken later? Holy cow. You have to look at it. Having to listen with Eckler. I mean, I agree. I love the player. He's an awesome player. I'm worried about his health because he's a smaller guy. He's put on muscle. He looks great, but you have to see Aiden's player profile on him on the important nonsense site. Man, he's impressive. I'm just worried that they still have, Joshua Kelly there and Justin Jackson, both players that are probably going to be the more in between the tackles players. And so uh, it has me worried. And beyond that, I mean, the, my big issue with Mixon, sorry, going back to it because my mind never goes in a straight line, is Joe Burrow is a young quarterback. Granted, they and they added weapons. Like these are things that you have to keep in mind. I don't think that they improved on defense and so more often than not i believe that they're probably going to be trailing which means that mixon isn't going to get the touches that he needs to be that efficient runner and that worries me for him i think this is a fine tier for him he just won't be on my team so completely let's go on saying. to the next tier let's get out of this one this is i'm getting too upset i can't do it anymore okay you did make some fair points and to your point they are guys that they you can project them for an rb1 fitness but they're lower on your board, lower on our tiers, because there's a lot of issues with them. We've already pointed out the issues with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. You can find all the issue, other issues with all these other players on importantnonsense.com and the ups and downs with them. But for me, what separates these guys from the guys in Tier 4 is things need to break right for Tier 4. These Tier 4 guys aren't locked into 200-plus touches. I think things have to go in a certain way for it to happen. So we've got the two rookies, Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre Swift. We've got Melvin Gordon, David Johnson, David Montgomery, and your best friend, Le'Veon Bell. So I know we disagree on Bell, but hear me out. So most of these guys will start out in the committee. We've got Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, and David Montgomery all in committees. They all have another running back they're going to be competing with in touches. And then you've got the older run, aging running backs like Melvin Gordon. And I don't think he can play 16 games. We've seen him play 14 or 12, 14 games the past two seasons. Granted, part of that was because he held out. However, he's got a litany of lower body injuries, and so I'm not convinced he can be that full workhorse. I know Denver wants him to be. He's just a tier lower because I don't know that he still can be. And that's the same thing with David Johnson. He's going to be 29 at the end of the season, and he hasn't been efficient since 2016. That worries me. And same with Le'Veon Bell, Adam Gase committee. So like... I do like all these guys. I am drafting all these guys. I do think all these guys are worthy of going in rounds three and four, especially David Johnson. I am still drafting a lot of David Johnson in rounds three and especially round four. I think he's an absolute steal there. However, I do have to put them in a lower tier because there are these questions that remain with them. Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, love both of them, but incumbent starter that they're coming into the offense with. And it's just an uncertain role with the offense. So that's what the separation is here. Do you have any any disputes there, Jason? Man, sometimes you just have me so worried that you're on something. <laughs> wow. I, I really think that David Johnson needs to move up. Bell needs to move up. Gordon needs to move up. And Mixon, or sorry, Montgomery, because they're, I don't think that those competitions are really that competition. They have the talent. They should be getting a majority of the carries. I 
we talked about Bell and Frank Gore. That issue bothers me. David Johnson and Duke Johnson, fine. Montgomery. So how high do you want about. me to move them, though? How just, high do you want me to move them, though? Do you just, want them above Austin Eckler? Do you want them above Aaron Jones? Do you want them above Todd Gurley? What am I supposed to do, Jason? I have him above Austin Eckler, and I hate to say that because he's my boy. I love Eckler. But these are guys that are going to get a majority of the touches. They're also going to be pass catchers. These are things that are very important. Now, Montgomery is close. I can kind of see him being in there. But Melvin Gordon, I think he comes in and literally just steals the job. So I'm just worried about him getting hurt like he always does because he's 27-year-old running back who's been hurt in four of the last five seasons. And that's worries me. So that's why I think he's going to be in the higher tier. I think at the end of the year, he's going to be an RB2 that you want. It's one of those things that I think that he has that option and I think is a great value later. I mean, where you can get him is impressive. And as for rookies, I am not taking rookies this early. Are you joking me? Taylor has to go over Mac. Mac has just been a solid well, player. In and out. Yeah, a solid player. Jonathan Taylor is elite. Yeah, and that's great. But he has to learn. And I think that having a full year behind Mac and them really being able to use Mac all year before either trading him or getting rid of him in the offseason because his contract's pretty much up. But after that, great. Taylor next year, I believe 100%. He's going to be great. Swift has the same kind of issue. I also think that this is going to be more of a split 50-50. I think that on Johnson and Swift are going to split. And I think, granted, it's also the Lions, so take that for what it's worth, too. Oh, not a, quite yeah. a fan. They want it to be a split. However, Carrion Johnson has shown us time again, and he's even told us, literally, he has said that he is not a bell cow running back. He said when they drafted DeAndre Swift, he's excited to share carries with DeAndre Swift. What kind of running back says that? Who's excited to get less carries? Who's excited to see another running back get more carries than them? Is DeAndre Swift's job, Carrion Johnson is going to be the change of pace back because he wants to be. He doesn't want to be the running back one. Yeah, but he has a year under his belt, a couple years under his belt, and he's able to use that. His ability to probably block and be what he needs to be is great. I'm fine with that, but I still think it is a, I think it's going to be a 50 50 split until Swift really picks things up. So, with if he can remain healthy, I think. Both Swift and Taylor should at least move back to uh, the Hunt White tier, wherever you have that. So whatever, what get out of this? Right. What's your next tier? Right. I have to know. All right, Jason, you keep batting singles while I hit swing for these home runs. You keep going for these old aging running backs. You probably drafted Justin Forsett back in the day. That's probably what you did. You're going for these. You're chasing these old running backs. Go for the use. Consistent. Go for the explosion around explosion. And, all right. So anyways, moving on, we're going to go to tier five and this is the, the true committee back. So like I said, I do think those guys are all, all on the right side of the committee. They are all RB twos for me. They all are top 22 running backs. However, tier five, pure committee running back. We've got Jason, what James white, we've got Mark Ingram. We've got Kareem hunt, Raheem Mostert, Tevin Coleman, JK Dobbins, James Connor, cam Akers, all those kinds of guys. So this is kind of what I call zero RB land where it's just a wash. And I really am trying not to draft these guys, maybe a little one of them for depth, but I usually like to have my top four running backs within the first six rounds. So I'm really not targeting these guys as much. They're nice to have on your team. However, it's just a little bit lower. It's these are the guys you want when you're targeting receivers and tight ends early, which I just don't do. Anyone you want to add to that, Jason? No, I mean, I I have to bring it up because it drives me crazy. Zero RP isn't a thing. It's late round RB. That's what you have to call it. It's not a thing. If you're going zero RB, that means you do not take an RB at all during the draft or you pick him up in the, or before week one or whatever, maybe, but man, Ingram is great value. I love where he's going. I think all these other players are solid choices. I mean, Hunt and White are going to be those pass catching backs and I have a chance for both of them to really explode. If anybody goes down in front of them could just be huge. I mean, Connor, I know this is kind of funny, but Connor actually kind of reminds me of Dalvin Cook in how his career is going. And I think that's something that should just be mentioned because I do think it's interesting. Akers is in a situation that he, he's just too high for me. I think that Daryl Henderson later is a great option and people just forget that he's there as well as Malcolm Brown, who they just, wow, forget him. He's not there at all. 
I don't want it to have the 49er backfield that's split between everybody. Coleman, Mostert, Wilson. No way. And, man, I even forgot about McKinnon being there. Jeez. Exactly. And this is why I really try to avoid this tier of running backs because they're they're drafted way too high and you typically get a little bit lost in there. I want the early running backs that are locked into the roles and I want the late running backs where we shoot for upside. These are the guys that I'm a little bit more avoiding depending on how the strategy goes. Ingram, but, he's he's going at the proper cost. However, I usually have my running backs taken by then. And now I'm looking at my wide receivers. This is the time that I'm looking to draft Jarvis Landry instead of Mark Ingram. It's just roster construction. I'm not avoiding Ingram per se, but anyways, Jason, we are out of time. Any sign off or anything to say to your adoring fans out there? Nah, man, I just, I'm really loving watching hard knocks. The Rams and Chargers have me so pumped up and I'm just hoping that this year they, or well, the next episode, they get off of COVID-19 and start focusing more on the players. They really just seem to be in love with Herbert nailing his net drill. And golly, did you see Aaron Jones or Aaron Donald with his shirt off? Holy cow. That dude's a monster. Have to know. What he's, do you think? He's a freak. He's, he's an absolute freak. It is absolutely disgusting. I cannot believe Aaron Donald. I really do wish we got to talk about him more on the Important Nonsense podcast. It is a shame we don't get to talk about defensive players more because they are a lot of fun. However, they're not exciting because they don't score us fantasy points. So thank you, Jason. It has been very tol tolerable working with you as always. You actually had some fair points today. So chalk this one up for a success for you. I'm very proud of you, buddy. So that'll do it from us here on the Important Nonsense podcast. Don't forget to check us out over at importantnonsense.com as well as at NonsenseFF on Twitter and Instagram. So for at that FF nerd, Jason Drave. I've been your host, Jack Cavanaugh. You can follow me over at Javanaugh87 on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in, and most importantly, don't forget to keep up the nonsense. Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevere. I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz, and you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!